This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. On this All Aboard Sunday, I am a confession to make. I am notoriously bad at celebrations. Ask my family, they'll tell you. I think Matt remembers his 13th birthday more than any other one because I had him hauling dirt from the front of the house to the back of the house and we built, and he still talks about that. I think he's slated to go on Dr. Phil. And, uh, <laughs> but I think on these special Sundays, it's a good time for us to, to one, to give thanks. And number two, to remember why we build buildings and remember what our objective is as a church and to sharpen our focus. So this morning, I, on this All Aboard Sunday, the title of this message is called Keep It the Main Thing, the Main Thing. We live in a world right now, guys, that's very distracted and very divided. And because of, of the conditions that we're in, focus is becoming an increasingly valuable asset. For companies to remain viable and profitable, they have to keep their focus. Who knows who the first maker of a cell phone was? Anybody? Oh, come on, the first service knew. I know you guys are smarter. You've been sleeping longer. What? <laughs> Motorola. Motorola made a phone. Some of you are going to have to Google it. They made a phone about this big. It was called the brick. Anybody remember the brick? First cell phone. You could hurt somebody with the brick. In fact, women used it to ward off attackers. It was, it was huge. But then Motorola came out with the most popular phone at that time. And in 2003, they introduced the Razor. Anybody remember the Razor? Remember the flip phones? I'm, I miss the flip phones. I really do, to be honest with you. Because flip phones gave you such a great opportunity to hang up. <laughs> I remember, snap that bad boy shut. I just, I just hung up on you. Now we have to punch a button. Not the same thing. Number one selling phone in America. They were just incredibly profitable. But they took their eye off the cell phone market. When the smartphones came out, they never caught up. They lost their focus and wound up selling their cell phone division because it was such a money loser for them. Companies to be profitable, they have to keep focus. For teams to be profitable and to win, to reach their objectives, they have to keep their focus. They're going to play the Super Bowl this year in L.A. As optimistic and as much of a fan I am, we're not going to be there. <laughs> say, Alan, you're negative. No, I'm realistic. We're not going to be there. But they say that the teams who do well are the teams who are able to manage all the distractions that take place around the Super Bowl. And so often teams who have been there before have an advantage because they know what it takes to keep focus. If you're going to win, if you're going to meet goals and objectives, you have to keep focus. And for individuals, they're saying that focus is going to become one of the most valuable things that you can bring to the table because, again, things are so distracted. Two psychologists did, just recently did a study, and they said that, that individuals, 46.9% of the time, are thinking about something else other than the present task that they're involved in. Which means half of you are listening to me right now. <laughs> but the idea of, of being distracted and the idea that, that these are things that we're having to deal with, it's, it, it's very true. But you know, the same thing applies to the church. If we're going to be profitable, if we're going to reach our goals and objectives, if we're going to reach our full potential, we're going to have to keep our focus. And our focus is on what God has instructed us to do when we started this church. Hebrews 11:7 was the verse that I was reading 
in my bedroom. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. As I was reading that verse, I thought about the ark, and I, I remember thinking, the ark, oh, that'd be a great name for a children's church. And, uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, I thought, no, that's the name for the church. And I kind of floated it by Mark, who my other board member, and I floated it by him, and Mark expressed that uh, he thought that could work as a church. And it has, because that verse has actually been a mandate over the years for the saving of households. That's why we're here. And over these past 25 years, we've seen thousands of people make decisions for Christ, either to receive him for the very first time or to come back and renew their relationship with him. For the saving of households was God's initial plan. And eternal things don't change. You know, we're living in a time when the political and cultural winds are constantly changing and blowing hard and strong, but eternal things don't change and our agenda doesn't change but it's going to require focus for us to stay on track. In 1801, Beethoven, the great composer, was starting to lose his hearing. He was 30 years old. And as he was losing his hearing, he, he became very frustrated with it because he couldn't hear the notes anymore. And by the time he was 45, all of his hearing was gone. He almost, he almost just committed suicide. He said he was so upset. He would play piano so hard that he would wreck pianos. He was trying to hear the notes and wound up having to put a pencil in his mouth and put the pencil up against the soundboard so he could hear some of the vibrations. 45 years old, he's completely deaf. And yet at 45 years old, he wrote some of his greatest symphonies. In fact, he wrote Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which was considered so groundbreaking that it changed classical music forever. How in the world did he, was he able, even though being deaf, to be able to write such beautiful music. One author said that he really felt like that with Beethoven, he was able to hear something new and innovative because he was no longer listening to society's soundtrack. There's a soundtrack playing right now in our society. It's constantly connected. It's constantly bombarding us with information. It's often angry and outraged. But if we're gonna complete what God's called us to do, we need to turn the deaf ear to society's soundtrack. And we need to hear what God's saying to us. And we need to do that. And do it with all the heart and purpose that we have. It's going to require focus for us to stay on track. But distractions are not new. In fact, we find that uh, we've just added to the list of distractions. They've been around. In fact, they were around in Jesus' day. We'll read this story here in Luke now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And as she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know, Mary had, she was very distracted with a very big job. She was serving, and uh, it, it was legitimate. That's a legitimate thing. She's making a meal. She's getting it ready for everybody. But no one seemed to care. And 
you know, I'm sure she's probably trying to get Mary's attention. Mary's sitting there listening to Jesus and you could probably see Martha from the kitchen going, trying to get her Mary's ignoring her and Martha starting to get upset but here's something interesting the Bible said that Martha welcomed Jesus into her house but she obviously never asked Jesus what his agenda was you got the son of God sitting in your living room he's speaking and sharing words that are eternal life-changing and she's more concerned with her agenda which was putting some food on the table she was probably Southern. <laughs> you know, in the South, you better put some food out on the table or you're just not even, But she, she never asked what his agenda was. She never said, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's obvious that he never instructed her to, to do the meal or he would have instructed some help or were commended her about it. She never asked. And Jesus did not take up her cause. I mean, she got to the place where she's upset with the Lord. She interrupted him. She comes in and goes, Lord, don't you care that Mary, this lazy heifer, is not helping me? <laughs> and, and Jesus didn't go, oh, oh, oh. Martha, I'm sorry. I completely missed that. Mary, go help your sister. He, you know, he didn't change just because she was upset. Here's a side note. You can get upset with the Lord, but that does not move him. He didn't move off that. He didn't take up that cause. And look, he, looked at, he looked at Mary and went, oh, Martha, 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 which reminds me of Marsha, Marsha. From the, from the, but this is more important than the Brady Bunch. And so Martha, Martha, you know what the Lord calls your name twice. Just You're in the deep weeds right now. He said, Martha, Martha. And he, he said, you're worried and troubled about many things. Now that tells you right there, She's on the wrong path. Worried and troubled. That wasn't the path he ordained. But again, she never asked him what his agenda was. But Jesus did not alter Mary from her course or her focus. He never looked at her and, and took that away from her. He said, Mary has chosen to sit, to listen. He's sharing words that are life-changing, words that are spirit and life. And he didn't move Mary off of that. And he said, Mary chose Jesus' agenda. She put kingdom business first. And in putting kingdom business first, Jesus was not going to pull her away from the eternal to the temporary. Distractions. They're out there. And we have to be intentional about being focused so we don't get off course of what God's called us to do. How do we keep the main thing the main thing at the ark as we move forward? I think the first thing is this, is that we we continue to ask Jesus, Lord, what's your agenda for this church? And I can tell you what his agenda is. His agenda is that we reach lost people. It's that we equip the saints. And it's that we expand the kingdom of God. That's his agenda. It hasn't changed. And it won't change for us. So we want to be, we want to be like, we, we want to be like, like Mary. Mary put his agenda first. We, we want to come along and say, Jesus, what's your agenda? As we welcome you, what is your agenda? What, what do you want for us? What's going to be the best plan for us? And I'm telling you guys, we're going to have to stay off the worried and troubled path. There's a lot of negatives and a lot of things to be distracted about today. 
I can tell you what people are worried and troubled about mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. That's not the agenda. The agenda is reach the lost, build the saints, expand the kingdom of God. You say, now I know, I know I've gotten a lot of slack. You might want to hold that because what I got coming next. <laughs> I've got a lot of flack for not being political. And um, I uh, say, Alan, when will you ever get political? Well, would you like to know? I'm going to tell you when I'm going to get political. I'm going to get political when they stop telling me to do or they won't allow me to do what the Bible tells me I can do. When they say I can't pray, I'll get political. When they, When they tell me I can't preach, I'll get political. When they tell me I can't mention the name of Jesus in public, I'll get political. When they tell me who I have to marry, I'll get political. I'll get political when they stop allowing me to, I'll be just like Daniel. You know, Daniel, Daniel served, he served a heathen king, but he didn't get, he didn't get political until they said, you can't pray. And when they said, you can't pray, he went and opened his, his windows up and prayed three times that day. That's when we get political. But until then, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, if you're a vast or vaccine or no vaccine, mask or no mask, that's not the agenda. The agenda is reach the lost, build the saints and expand the kingdom of God. That's the agenda. Alan, I don't like that. Well, that's too bad because I'm not changing. <laughs> because it's important that we say, Lord, what do you want to do? Other than that, guys, we get distracted. So here are three things that we want for you. If you come to this church, if you're a part of this church, here's three things that we want. The first thing is that you live with God. That, you, that we help people welcome him into their lives. Martha welcomed him into her home. We want people to, rec to welcome God into their lives. So how do you do that? You welcome God into your life by, by welcoming his son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So he is the only way. But yet he said, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in. Isn't it great? Jesus said, I'm, he said, I'm the only way. I, 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 I'm exclusive. You, there's no other way to the Father but by me, but it's available to everyone. And so we want people to live with God and not just live with God, but live, have him into our lives, but live with him in mind. Then live with his priorities, become what's important to us. I heard a man say recently, and I thought it was so important. He said, he said, we don't want to be, he said, you know what failure is? He said, failure is being a success in things that don't matter. We want to be a success at things that do matter. And I realize we're living in, so, in a distracted world where there's so many things going on, but our objective is to help people live not with God as an add-on, but with God as number one. So we're recalibrating our, our priorities. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. He died, Jesus died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That when we welcome him and we live with him, we're not just welcoming him to our life and then it's our own agenda. It's, Lord, what is your agenda? What do you have for me? Because your things are the most important. True story, a little boy got his hand stuck in a very expensive Chinese vase. He's a little guy. And they pulled on his hand, tugged on his hand. They could not get his hand out. 
They call the neighbors over, and so they're trying not to dislocate his arm, but this is an expensive vase, and they're pulling. He's howling. And finally, they realize the only way they're going to get this vase off this little guy's arm is to break it. And as they broke this expensive vase, and the, and the shards are laying all over the floor, they realized why they couldn't get his hand out. The little fellow had seen a penny at the bottom of the vase, and he had that penny clenched in his hand, and he would not let it go. The world offers us pennies. God offers us an expensive Chinese vase. We're going to stay with what's most important. Live with God. Welcome him and his priorities into your life. Second thing is we want to help people grow stronger. Grow stronger spiritually. That's one reason this church exists. is to help not just people live with God, but also to grow stronger. To live in the light of his word. To live in the light of his Holy Spirit. To begin to pursue the things that make for spiritual growth and spiritual strength because spiritual strength impacts every area of our life. Psalms 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? We want to pursue those things that make for spiritual strength. And so you're constantly going to hear me talking to you about reading your Bible, about praying, about coming to church, about being part. Listen, in the days that it gets dark, we need as much spiritual strength as we can have. Because it, it's, you say, well, Alan, I, I believe everything's going to get better. I, I think it's going to get darker. But the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. Yes. And so as it does get darker, we're, we're doing those things that pursue strength. A lady named Lillian Guild and her husband, she's an author. She was, they were riding down the road one day and they saw a, a late model Cadillac pulled over with the hood up. They pulled in, helped the guy. He was frustrated. He was agitated. Asked what was wrong with his vehicle. He said, well, he said, he said, I had a very important business meeting. He said, this morning when I left, I knew I was low on fuel, but I thought I could make it. He said, I ran out of fuel. He said, all I need is some gas. Well, they happened to have in their vehicle a, a, a gallon of gas. So they poured the gas into his Cadillac. They told him that just a few miles down the road was the service station. And man, he sped off. They, they going along and 12 miles later, they see that same Cadillac pulled over with the hood up. They pulled in again and they, he was pathetically grateful that they pulled in, she said. And uh, they asked, what happened? He said, well, he said, I was trying to get to this important business meeting and I thought I could make it on that one gallon of gas. He said, no one in Texas could be that stupid. <laughs> but I got to ask the question, how often in our lives do we get so busy running around that we never fuel up? Our objective is to help people fuel up, to get stronger, to get stronger spiritually. So you're going to continue to hear me talk about read your Bible, fellowship with God. Do the things that help you get stronger because when you're stronger spiritually, it impacts every area of your life and makes such a huge difference in every area of your life. And that's our last one. Make a difference. Live with God. Grow stronger. Make a difference. So make a difference. You said, yeah. Growing stronger and getting stronger spiritually is not simply to make our lives easier. It's to make us a blessing to others. Because the stronger we are as a church, the greater our reach. The stronger you are as an individual, the greater your reach. 
You begin to be a blessing to your family members. You're a blessing to your neighbors. You're a blessing to your workers and coworkers. You're able to do things. The stronger you get, the more you're a blessing. And that's the, that's the end goal here, guys. It's not that we take the blessings and we rejoice because God's done so many great things. We have such a nice building. But the objective is not to build buildings. The objective is to reach people. The only reason we build these buildings is because they become a nice tool. We're not building monuments. There's nobody's name on these buildings. But the reason we build these things is so we can reach a lost and dying world. And the way we reach a lost and dying world is not just through preachers. It's through people living their lives out there where you can reach people I will never reach. You see, when they find out I'm a preacher, they automatically get religious and everybody just tightens up. But you live with them and you can make a difference. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. As a church, as the art church, we're going to let our light shine. But our light shines stronger when individually and as families and as individuals, we begin to let our light shine out in our communities and wherever we are. That's what makes the difference. That's what we want to do. So this is a place where we help you come, tank up, fuel up, and go out and let your light shine and be a blessing to the people around you. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian author and philosopher and a believer. And because of his beliefs, they put him in a Siberian prison for years. He got so discouraged in the prison, so disappointed that he was going to just, he said he wanted to end his life. And the way he, he knew he was going to end his life, he said was he's going to stop working, go out in the field. He said he would stop working and just lean on his shovel. He said if he did that, he knew that the guards would come over and beat him to death. So the day that he had made the decision to do that, he stopped working, he planted his shovel, and he began to lean on his shovel. But a fellow worker came up beside him and saw what he was doing. And he reached over with his shovel and he made a cross in the dirt. And then he erased it before the guards came. So Zodinskin said when he saw that cross, he said it immediately just energized him because he remembered the hope and the courage of Christ. And he knew that he had, he, he knew what he had what it take. He could do all things through Christ who would strengthen him and he had what it take to keep going. He could still do it. We don't know the name of that young man or that young worker who encouraged him. God does. But you know the thing, about it, people say, no one knows my name. God does. And he sees what you do for him. But I can tell you that man made a difference because he cared enough about him to remind him that there's hope and there's courage and there's faith. It's available in Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. We're here to do that as a church. We're here to do that as individuals. It's to shine our light and to tell people, hey, God's not mad at you. He loves you. There's hope available. There's faith available. There's courage available. There's strength available to live this way. And we can all be a part of that. Are we done as a church because we've built buildings? No, we're not done. And I don't know what kind of buildings we'll build in the future, but I know with the resources and everything that we have right now, we're going to do everything we can to keep moving on to reach the lost, to build the saints, and to expand God's kingdom. That's our focus. That's our mandate. That's our objective.
That's what we do. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Please, no one leaving or moving will be out of here in just a moment. This morning, if you came or you're watching online and you say, Alan, I, I don't know that I've ever received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or I'm not sure, but I, I want to be sure. Or maybe you're like I was. I had done that and just, I knew in my heart I'd gotten away from God. And I knew I wanted to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. We're sitting right in your chair this morning. You can make a decision that changes eternity. You can welcome him into your home and into your life. You can realize that this church is like that cross in the dirt. It's shining a light. And this morning, you have an opportunity to respond. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. But if you're here and you say, Alan, that's me you're talking to. I don't know that I know the Lord. I knew him one time and I know I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you quickly just slip your hand up and wave it at me? Just real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Great, thank you. You can put your hands down. And maybe you didn't lift your hand and you really wanted to do that, but that's okay. That's all right. God sees hands, but he sees hearts. So we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to, to join me in this prayer. We're going to join you as a church family. We're going to pray this prayer out loud. If you're watching online, then you're by yourself praying out loud. If you're with others, you pray quietly to yourself. But we're going to pray this together. And you pray it too from your heart. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who just welcomed you into their life. Thank you that you're doing works in them that are eternal and good. And we rejoice because this changes today, it changes eternity. And we are grateful for that. Father, I thank you for everyone here today. Thank you that you know them, you love them, you have a wonderful plan for them. And I thank you that you're strengthening us and equipping us to be a blessing to those in our families and loved ones and to a world that needs you so desperately. Thank you for that. Thank you for 25 years. Thank you for a new building. Thank you for helping us stay on track. We continue to follow your agenda and yours only. We'll give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.